swings, hits it high and deep and gone. Still going back. Oh! Out of here. Welcome to the big leagues. Deep to center field and it is gone. Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive. Friday edition of the call-up, but this time it's a little bit different. Not because we're in person. We already did that on the last episode, but we just caught a minor league game yesterday, and it was a loaded one, so I'm excited to talk about that, Jack. We're going to break down some of the top prospects that we saw. We got to see a Weimer nuke, which is Mm -hmm. awesome because that's basically the only reason why we did this trip, or at least on my end. I know for you it was just to see Thomas Dillard, Uh, and we got to see Taj Bradley throw. So it was a lot to unpack there, and I am 100% in on the pitch clock. We, we were You already sold me before as the guy that's been living it, yeah. but now I'm all in. I yeah. got to live it in person, be engaged in a game, and uh, I'll get into my thoughts more so the intro's not too long, but uh, in on the pitch clock, you got me with you. We're on the same team here. Good. Uh, a couple of things that are unique about this one. Number one, I just learned that if Weimer didn't hit a nuke, Aram would have you know chopped this trip up as an absolute bust mm-hmm. instead of spending quality time with his friend Jack. So correct. Uh, that that's pretty solid to hear as a guy that's sitting about six inches away. Yes. Um, and sitting is a stretch. No, so you- we were on like an L couch at the Spring Hill Suites in Hoover when we recorded mm-hmm. the last episode of the call up. Now. I was a good enough friend, again, me being the better friend on this trip because I'm just having fun spending quality time uh-huh. with Arm. Um, I gave him the chair. I have my knees on like that that circuit, cylindrical pillow. The, the, they got to be the most useless pillows of all time. Yeah, but they look pretty. They look pretty. They, and this they, one's like polka dots too, yeah. so I'm just crushing it with my knees. So I, I think we're living large right now. We are living large. We're staying at the Palace Casino yeah. in, in Biloxi, Mississippi, which by the way, I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are are big minor league just fans, right? Like they just love going to minor league parks and traveling all over. You know, if you're if you're on vacation with your family, sneaking in that that minor league ball yeah. game. Uh, I don't know if you'd ever be on vacation with your family in Biloxi, Mississippi, but MGM Park is very cool. Uh, the, the the town or city itself is is interesting. It's, it's like, unique. It's like Atlantic City in the South, right? Where yeah. you have the casinos. And then you have uh, what doesn't seem like the surrounding area that you would expect around a casino, uh, which is a little bit depressing. But at the same time, when you're at the ballpark, it's super cool. This is a unique experience. Like, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've never been to a place like this. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to be a lot of places in the U.S. And, like, I've just never really seen a place like no. Biloxi, Mississippi, in a good way, which is pretty interesting. Like... I was floored when we were driving in here. I was like, this is crazy. All of a sudden, we're here, and there's 10 casinos on the water, and this ballpark is beautiful. And the ballpark is Oh, my God. And it's like there's this crazy nice strip, but then you look at these patches of, like, overgrown grass and weeds, (laughs) and it's like, this is, you said, $8 million property probably in, like, Boca Raton. Yeah. I mean, here we are right now, and it's just like... I could probably like get paid twenty bucks to take this off somebody's hands. Like that's the type of like land we're looking at right now. So inland, it's kind of weird, but on the outskirts of Biloxi, like on the shoreline on this strip, it's incredible. Here. Yeah, it's pretty. I'm it, glad we picked Biloxi. Yeah, I am too. And also, I'm glad we picked it because the amount of talent, top 100 talent, but yeah. also just it, like I guess high follow is what I like to call it because Cam Meisner is a perfect example. 
He hit a ball a bajillion feet yesterday. Uh, that right when we walked in, we we saw that swing. Uh, I don't know how far it went. It went really high. Uh, he, he has crazy power. Cam Meisner is like a high follow, right? Like that's usually what I call those guys where perfect game kind of jaded me with the high follow because yeah. they would just slab that on every player. Were but you a high follow? I never did a showcase. I refused okay. to. They were so expensive. But I would hope I'd be a high follow. But, you know, it, that's where I'm like, this is still a team filled with players. Felix Valario, that's another guy that is worth watching that is interesting. Austin Shenton, another one. Yeah. Uh, so there were so many players that – you know, was really excited to see. But then on the top 100 side of things, Joey Weimer, Sal Freelich, Curtis Mead, Taj Bradley on the mound. Yeah. Uh, so we got to see a lot and, and a lot to unpack. I want to start with Weimer, obviously, um, because, I, I, you know, he did a little bit of everything in yesterday's game. Uh, he did also get ejected, so he pretty much filled out the whole bingo card. He did, yeah. He, he did it all. Homer, uh, I thought it was a stolen base. He was thrown out, but I don't think he was. Infield hit by my book. I don't know what they scored it ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought it was an infield hit. And then also the ejection as well for for yelling something out from the dugout. Manager got ejected as well. They didn't love the zone. It was a good helmet spike, too. It was a manager. great helmet spike from the manager. Yeah. It, it really got my attention because I was tweeting. I just hear boom. Yeah. Uh, and that caught my attention. But I, I'm really excited for you to have uh, – I mean, I know you've watched some video on Weimer, but, but now being able to, to see that power in person – uh, I want to start with the power, but also the speed was really intriguing as well because he beat out an infield hit. I want to hear your thoughts on Weimer because I've talked about this dude ad nauseum on the podcast. What did, what did you think in your first look? He's funny to watch. Yes. He's going to sell tickets mm-hmm. when he gets to American Family Field, formerly known as Miller Park, which I will probably still call it. Yeah, um, yeah but I guess it's AmFam, American AmFam. Family Field. But no, I mean, Weimer's going to sell tickets because he's hilarious. Like, it, it almost looks like Happy Gilmore's coming to the plate yep. here because he's he's doing this step through and he's letting his back foot, like, come behind his front foot yeah. when he's doing his warm-up swings. It's just it's just bizarre. And, like, the appointment television starts when he's in the on-deck circle. And then all of a sudden, we see him hit a missile. You said, uh, you said right before in a bat, like, all we need is him to hit a nuke over the Visit Mississippi sign in left center field. And about three pitches later, <laughs> yeah. nuke to left center over the visit Mississippi sign. Um, yeah, I can see where the power comes from. He's a big guy. A I didn't big realize how big guy. of a guy he was. And, like, if he can move like that, if he can swipe 20 to 25 bags at the big league level, and he's that big of a guy, I mean, like, he's he's a 20-20 guy. He, he could be a 30-30 minor be. league guy. Like, could be. 30-20. You know, like, 30 home runs at AmFam for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think 30-20 is fair. Yeah. I think 30-20 is fair. But, like, I he was interesting, dude. I mean, his arms were a lot bigger than I thought they would be, too. He's, he's a, just a yeah. beefy guy. But what's crazy is he, the combination of physicality with athleticism is how you generate the 115-mile-per-hour, 116-mile-per-hour. Well, and doing weird shit. And doing weird shit. Yeah. But he repeats the weird shit, which is, yeah. which is the thing that stands out, right? It's like he repeats his moves. It's all hectic, but it's hectic consistently. And, and that's what stands out to me. And then you said it. When he chopped one in the ground and, and beat it out, it was like, whoa, he's got that in there Dude. too? Like he was busting it down the line, beats out an infield single. Uh, he can move. 
a couple errant throws, but showed <laughs> off the big arm. He had a little Hunter Renfro in him where it was like, I need yeah. to show off the arm at all times. But again, it kind of just plays to the eccentric nature of his game. It's gonna some he's gonna frustrate you sometimes. He might get thrown out in a spot where you're like, come on, man. He yeah. might overthrow a base, but I, I know as he matures and as he you know gets more games under his belt, uh, I'm sure that's something that that goes you know a little bit more. Uh, I guess gets put in its place a little bit more. But at the same time, it's one of those where it's almost like shooter shoot, and you want him to still be Joey Weimer. So it's yeah. finding that balance. But in terms of physical gifts between the speed, uh, the power, the arm. Uh, and all the things kind of combined there, he's got to be one of the more intriguing players in the minor leagues. Like, I, like you, you see it now, right? Why? And not that you ever didn't before, but can you kind of see even more so now why I got the bug, why I got the Joey Weimer excitement? Yeah, uh, you know, over the last few months, he's funny as hell. Yes. And like starting in the on deck circle again, like there are things that he does in the on deck circle. There are things that he does in his swing. There are things that he does in the field where I think I'd be waking up more sore than I've ever been in my life. Oh, I, I no, no shot. If you tried playing a game like Joey Weimer, like you're getting up the next day, like, Oh, I can't move anything in my body. I think that honestly speaks to his flexibility. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that guy is, is built a little bit different. Oh, Purple devil emoji. A hundred, a hundred percent. And you can see it through, through all the moves. And I, I, another guy that's an, an insane athlete. Uh, and we know that three sport athlete through high school, uh, showed the speed. What I was really impressed with was was the ability to to spoil tough pitches in the box. Sal Freelich. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we didn't get to really see anything uh, off the charts with Freelich. Uh, we saw him shoot a ball the other way on a pitch that he was fooled on, which to me showed a lot because that's who Freelich needs to be. He's not going to be a guy that's hitting home runs left and right. I think you know he can sneak ten to fifteen out in Milwaukee. You know, given you know how how hitter friendly it is. But what really stood out to me, and there was a couple things I said to you because what was really amazing, we'll get to it at the end, is the relievers. There were so many nasty relievers, which is what happens when you play the Rays. Yep. And, you know, 95, 96 running in on his hands, he was spoiling that. You know, breaking balls, he was spitting on them. He is so tough to get out. He is so difficult to really just get to get himself out, uh, swing and miss, uh, get uncomfortable. Even when you fool him, he's going to spoil them or even shoot it the other way for a base hit. I, I love Sal Freelich, man. I, that, that's a guy that could set the tone for your lineup every single day at the top of it. And I, I got to imagine that the Brewers are pretty excited about the future with, with him in center field potentially and leading off for them for you know the foreseeable future. And I think he's going to climb very quickly. I think that's very evident. Yeah, it's super evident. Uh, he was two for five yesterday. And what I noticed about his two base hits and even his three outs, um, he didn't punch out once. He makes the infield look smaller. He, he slaps it around. He'll slap it over a guy's head. It just felt like the field was a little bit smaller for him. He was playing in Williamsport, which is pretty funny. And, yeah. you know, it's also great for a guy that doesn't look like he can supply sneaky pop. But I asked you, I said, does this guy have any power? And you said, yeah, like yeah. sneaky power. Sneaky power. Um, so, I mean, listen, if he can pump out 10 homers at American Family Field. He can. Dude, he can hit 320 with 10 homers. That's awesome. I'm in. I'm in. And and that's the thing with good defense, uh, with really good instincts, and, and a guy that just plays the game hard and well. Those two guys together, Weimer and, and Freelich, I think could be a really exciting you know, tandem for a long time in the outfield. And if they can get Garrett Mitchell right, you know, yeah. I know he's hurt right now. He's on the IL. I was very interested to see him. Yeah. Hopefully he gets, he gets right soon. Uh I would love to see what, what he can do because he's still another guy that is super gifted in terms of, you know, 20 home run potential, speed, 
uh, and a field to hit that just hasn't totally translated through to the upper levels yet, but definitely still a guy that's worth following and paying attention to. I'm just curious what it looks like for Milwaukee this year and in the next two years, because one of them should be in the outfield like next year. Um, but I mean, right now you've got Yelich, you've got Lorenzo Cain, you've got Hunter Renfro and Tyrone Taylor. That That's not going to win you a World no, Series. No. And if Milwaukee thinks that they can win a World Series this year, they might have to part ways with Beamer or Freelink. So when I was just going to the vending machine to get our water. Yeah. Um, Thanks I, for the water, by the way. It's our water. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Collective. Uh, $3 water. Yeah, we had $4. Damn it. We had $4. <laughs> could only get one water, so you, we had to pour it in the cup, and we're sharing this Dasani, yeah. which is our, also— Living like peasants live, uh, staying in the casino, right? Yes, and also, by the way, Dasani, worst water in the game. Oh, my God. Um, and so, you know, negative ad here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would—what I would, were we talking about? Oh, as I was walking yes. to the vending machine to get this bad water that, they, that yep. they mask with minerals— um, I was thinking about it, and I was like, who are they going to trade? And, and I hate having that thought because when we're in the minor leagues and you know we're talking to a lot of these guys, I don't want to think about these guys getting shipped around everywhere. But the Brewers are in win-now mode, and they all of a sudden, it was a bad system. And now it's, it's trending more towards middle of the pack. Their strength right now is outfield depth in terms of, of their, their minor league system. They've got a lot of interesting outfielders. I'd imagine that I, I don't think they want to trade Weimer or Freelich Garrett Mitchell, one of these other guys, could get dealt. Uh, but I think you even got to be okay with Weimer or Freelich because now they're turning that they're turning themselves into you know blue chip prospects. If they want to go get that impact, impact big league bat, uh, you know who teams are going to be asking for because this one two punch at the, at the top of the order is is really interesting and really special. And the Brewers have a decision to make. You know how quick can these guys get up there? How quick can they help you? And do you? trade one of them now at, at high value or you know do you sit on them and, and hope that they can help you in the next year and here's the thing this is what i love about the call-up audience um the, they are the type of people that know that it's not you know entirely bad if your team doesn't go for the prized possession on the trade market yes um like you know there are some brewers fans that are going to be pissed if they don't go and get the best outfielder on the trade market they're going to be pissed but that outfielder is going to cost Weimer and or Freelick. Yes. So, you know, you guys understand that Weimer and Freelick are good, and you might be, you know, like, you might be pissed in three years that you went and got a rental, the best outfielder on the trade market in 2022, and you fell short in the NLCS or the NLDS, um, and you've got Weimer hitting 300, and he could he could go 30, 20 in three years. Yeah, he could be insane. And, and, and that's the thing. And the other side of it, too, is, yeah, you could say trade from the pitching depth. You could do that, but Freddie Peralta is now out for the foreseeable future. The pitching depth gets thinner and thinner and thinner. Take it from a guy who, who you know, watches the Marlins quite frequently. That's always supposed to be the strength. All of a sudden it gets thin and you have Eliezer Hernandez and Cody Petit pitching all the time. It goes really quickly. Uh, so, it, you know, teams are still going to want that high upside dude, uh, which is either Freelick or Weimer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they continue to proceed there. Going back on the other side, because I want to start with more of the top 100 guys, and then we can go and fill in uh, the cracks in between with some of yeah. the other notable players. But I want to flip around to the race side, because they have some guys that are very, very interesting. I want to start with the pitching, uh, because Taj Bradley is is probably the most prized pitching prospect uh, in the Rays org, aside from Shane Boz, who you know pitched in the playoffs he's last year. He's a real so, prospect. Yeah, he's not even really a real prospect. Uh, Bradley was was dynamite. You know, the pitch count got up there a little bit, but that's what happens when you K guys. Uh, yeah. And and again, that's what happens when Sal Freelick is leading off because 
You're not getting him out with less than five pitches. I think Sal had a nine pitch at bat yesterday. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I know there was several foul balls on several abs. Four innings, one hit, two walks, six Ks for yeah. Taj Bradley, and, and that's become something that I think we're kind of accustomed to. I, Bradley, it's the fastball. You know, if you go look at our scouting report on JustBaseball.com. Fastball's plus, borderline plus, plus. Yeah. You saw it, man. I mean, we were sitting behind home plate. Fastball was just, not only was it 94 to 96 grabbing a seven, but it was also high spin, tons of riding life, and just just exploding out of his hand. Nobody was touching it. Uh, that's really what he was able to dominate with. That's what he dominated through the lower levels of the minor leagues with. And uh, he didn't really need anything else yesterday. So the only guy that I've seen spin a fastball like that uh, in person recently has been Rowancy Contreras like it's I think that's the only guy because it looks like you know when you're at the free throw line and you you throw the basketball off the floor like you backspin it to yourself like it almost felt like Taj Bradley was intentionally getting more spin his fastball it felt like he was like guiding it and I've never seen a fastball stay up like that aside from Rowancy Contreras I think (laughs) which is just like you know, it's it's crazy, and we're talking about two top 100 guys, and Rowansky's going to graduate soon because he's going to be a pirate for the next, you know, five years, six years, or if they decide to blow it up, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, it I I thought it was fascinating watching him. Um, and the breaking pitches were good. That's they were tight. The, the, slider. the slider is the question, right? Yeah. Like, there was moments where we looked at it, and I was like, okay, that's that's an above-average slider. Yeah, but then, then there, there were times moments where it flattened where, out. Yeah. yeah, it was like never never broke down from the shoulders, and, and it was just a waste. Yeah. You know, it's like non-competitive pitches, right? That's what I'm always looking at is like, what is the worst version of that pitch? And right now, the worst version of Todd Bradley's It's a one-pitch pitcher. Yeah. It, it, when he locates it, when he starts in the middle and it dives off the plate to a righty, that's great. How is he getting lefties out? You yeah. know, and, and right now it's just fastball domination um, and hoping that he can spot in that changeup. You know, we had a plus grade on the fastball and an above average grade on the slider. You can see how the slider could develop into a plus pitch, but he's going to need the – and guess what? The Rays are really good at developing sliders. We've seen that. If they can get that slider to a plus pitch, the world is Taj Bradley's oyster. But the thing is, is the fastball, even when guys know it's coming right now, uh, it doesn't matter. Everybody knew the fastball was coming, and it didn't matter. It was exploding out of his hand. He had the confidence. I mean, you could see the second he released it, he was expecting guys to miss it. It was like walking off the mound right as it left his hand because that kind of confidence you only get when it's exploding out of your hand and you're getting whiffs, 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 and that's all he was getting. Bradley's extremely young, too. Yeah. Dominated through the lower levels with that fastball. He's 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like there's no urgency here. He'll probably spend the entire season in double A, I would would assume. And just continue to tinker with the secondaries. That's the big thing to follow. We talk about George Kirby, and I think there's some similarity here. Not quite with the elite, elite command, but I would say very good command from Taj Bradley and a fastball that dominates. Yeah. Um, How good are the secondaries going to be? And that's going to determine his ceiling, whether he's a three or he's a one. And that's really the, the the quality of the secondaries, I think. Do you actually see one? No, but uh, you know, if but all of a sudden, if he's what is he? How old did you say he was? Twenty one. So let's say he tweaks the slider and finds a feel for the changeup in the next two years. <laughs> like yeah. that's look at what where was Shane Boz? You know, well two Shane Boz was walking like eight guys yeah. per nine innings, and and Bradley is under three walks per nine innings. He was under he was two and two point seven, I want to say, in like well over a hundred innings last year, and then. Now I want to say he's like 2.5, and he's still around 10.5 strikeouts per nine. So, 
listen, man, I the fastball the fastball is going to have him thriving until he gets to the bigs. Yeah. And then you have to have something else. Exactly. So, you know, I think I think the question would be then, is he more of a two or is he more of a, a middle of the road three? Uh, and that's going to be dependent on the quality of the secondaries. And he's yeah. got a lot of time to figure that out. So I thought he was extremely impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I really like what we saw from him uh, yesterday. We didn't get to see too much from Curtis Mead. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought he played – he looked fine at third base, which is honestly the big question because it's what's the defensive deal with Curtis Mead? What, yeah. You know, is we, we see a lot of knocks on him. Yeah. I think he's more athletic than he gets credit for. And we talked about that yesterday. Uh, I definitely think he is a better athlete than than people like to give him credit for, especially that Fangraphs TLDR that we're going to bring up until the end of time because yeah. I think it's so nasty and so rude. Well, accordingly, according to them, he's a fat ass. Yeah, he's, is it what, pot-bellied? Pot-bellied and like unorthodox. I mean, the dude actually looks like a very good athlete. He looks like a normal baseball player, like yeah. a normal athlete. Like, I, like, I don't understand. Like You cannot perceive him as like a chunky baseball player. Yeah. He actually looks like a tall and slim third baseman. Yeah. Like, he's got that Chris Bryant build. Yeah, I don't think he's quite as as explosive. Genuinely think they had the wrong guy. <laughs> but it's still there. But and, and here's the thing with Mead, and this is why I really like his floor. Yesterday was one of the run-of-the-mill, like, at below-average games for Curtis Mead. One for four with a walk and no Ks. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. He's going to, even in his worst games give you almost just steadiness, get on base, and as long as he can play passable defense at third, uh, I, I think that really helps his outlook because obviously his profile at first is diminished at that point. Uh, I think he can stick at third. I like him there. I want to see a little bit more with the arm and, and, and see his range, but I, I saw him lay out a couple times yesterday. Again, I thought he looked fine. Um, Austin Shenton, homered in his first A-B, uh, then you know did not quite really do much after that. Uh, but Shenton is a guy I've talked about as, as a very interesting prospect to the race, specifically targeted in that Diego Castillo deal. Yeah. Um, they they wanted him for a reason. He's interesting. He's a high floor dude. You saw plenty of him in the Cape where he lit the Cape on fire. Um, and, and on his way to – did he win the batting title in the Cape or was he close to it? It was between him and current Biloxi shucker Noah Campbell. But I don't think Campbell qualified. Matthew Barefoot was the other one that was in the batting that title was conversation. Insane. He was insane. But – Shenton, I mean, he did a lot of everything. 44 games in Wareham in 2018. He slashed 349, 450, 490. Yeah. That's good. And he came from an organization that's that really knows how to identify talent with, with the Mariners. Yeah. And then also gets handpicked from the Rays. And, yeah. and Meisner was a dude that got handpicked too. And, uh, you know, we, we saw the mega bomb from yeah. Meisner. We saw the athleticism. He plays a good center field. He's a big dude. Were, were you surprised at how big Meisner is? I, yeah, I was. I was like, wow, he's People a lot taller than I was thinking. You know who he reminds me of a little bit, um, just with like the outcomes too, is uh, Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard. Just a little bit. Like, obviously a little bit more bat to ball than Sam Hilliard. And a little bit more power, I'd say. He, he's the extreme. But Hilliard is I. He's power and speed, but he's three true outcomes. Yeah. Like, Meisner and a really good outfielder. Yeah, Hilliard, really good outfielder. Too. So, like, I feel like that might actually be a fair comp the more but, that I think about it. So, here's the thing. I, and I wonder, what is what is the ceiling of of a Cam Meisner? Because he hits the ball 113 it's miles. It's Gallo. Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to throw myself out there. Again. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm all for the comps. I know okay. you hate him. I love him. Okay. So, But here's the thing. People love to say, oh, swing and miss guy that's a decent outfielder that walks a lot, Joey Gallo. I think if there's anyone in the minor leagues that's as similar to that comp, um, 
it's it's Cam Meisner. And he plays really good defense, That's too. the thing. So if you moved him to a corner, he plays good center field. If you move him to a corner, he's a gold glove caliber corner outfielder. I really believe that. He walks a ton. Walks so much. And on top of that, you know, has that big-time power. Um, yeah, pull up Meisner's walk rates because I guarantee they are up there, up there. So you get the high walk rates. You get the good power. If there's anyone that projects similar to Gallo, it's got to be Meisner. And, I mean, that's a great outcome for a basically low-profile deal to get Joey, you know, sending Joey Wendell out of town. So 88 games uh, in high A, that was, he wasn't a sky carp yet, right? He was still a Beloit snapper, mm-hmm. is that right? So uh, he was a Beloit snapper, 88 games in high A for the Marlins last year, 30% K rate, 13% walk rate. Uh, so far this year in 29 games, 34% K rate, 21% walk rate. <laughs> So he's doing a lot of like the three things. Twenty-seven walks in twenty-nine games. Yeah, I mean that, that's outrageous. So you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot of similarity there. And here's the thing: he's getting into his power. Yeah. You know, six home runs, and that's going to give you a one thirty-five WRC plus. He's got eight bags too. He can run. He can run. So I'm very interested. Uh, and I know he's going to be a frustrating player at times, as Joey Gallo is. But guess what? He could be a very valuable player, as Joey Gallo is and, and has proven to be. Uh, so I thought he was really, really fun to watch. And when he connects, man, it, it's a lot of fun to follow. A low-key name, Grant Witherspoon. Yeah. Watch him go the other way and, and shoot a rocket. Um, I like the swing. I like the mechanics. I like everything that, that he does in the box, and the numbers kind of back it up. Yeah. 330, 381, 522 slash line so far this year at the AA level. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll take that. Not Kang really that much at all. Uh, has five home runs. He's doing a little bit of everything. I, I'm interested in Witherspoon. That's a guy I'm going to watch with more intent uh, as we go to the game today on on this Friday. I want to watch him a little bit more and see how he looks, but I, I liked what I saw so far. So now that you say that, he's not going to be in the lineup, you know. <laughs> is he, is That's he actually, how that works. Yes. No, yes. I mean, like, I have no idea. I haven't seen the lineup card yet, but as you say, like, I really need to go see yes. Witherspoon today. Like, he's, he's not going to be Out. playing today. Absolutely. Promise. Absolutely. So, that's how it works, man. I mean, I've had people show up to the ballpark in Indy and say, like, oh, I can't wait to see O'Neill Cruz. And I'm like, actually, he's, he's getting the day off today. And then he's in left tomorrow. Um, like, it's it's that type of thing. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious about, about that type of thing. Um, I also just need to see another game of Thomas Dillard more than I need <laughs> yeah. air to breathe. Yes. That's my guy right now. So uh, he dipped under the Mendoza line yesterday. That's Tom okay. Stillard, 0 for 4, 3 Ks. That's okay. Um we're we're excited to see more Thomas Dillard. Yeah, I was explaining last night with the uh, one of the broadcasters for Biloxi, Thomas Zinzarella, who's a friend of ours, yes, was on the Cape the when uh, he was in Harwich when I was there. He was in Orleans when you were there. So yes. he uh, he got traded within the league. Yeah, How about that, or maybe it was a free agent deal uh, right. in intra division. I guess it's a free agent deal. I'd rather be in Orleans. Oh God, <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> Harwich, I love that field. White I- House Field. Oh, I love that place. Uh, but Chris Adams Wall as well with Montgomery. We were we were talking with them, and I said, "Listen, like you'll see a lot of baseball players that you know instead of like fifty percent torso, fifty percent legs, look like seventy percent legs, thirty percent torso. Thomas Dillard is seventy percent torso. 
Like, he's got stubby legs. That dude, it, it, much like uh, Peter Apple, who co-hosted Just Baseball Show, said about Francisco Alvarez, looks like he's got pads on under his jersey, like yes. full pads on. Dillard is a stocky, stocky dude. I feel like he can hit a ball 500 feet. Um, question is, is he going to make contact? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, we'll find out. It's an experience. Let's hold on. Let's find <laughs> out. I, I will say he is fun to watch. And another guy that if he finds his way up there, you, you said it when we were at the game, you flip-flop him with Rowdy. Oh, he's just Rowdy with six years of control. And, and a switch hitter. Yeah. Uh, he's fun to watch. Uh, hopefully he can get into uh, you know the power enough with the contact. Uh, off to a bit of a slow start this year. Again, it's early. Um, but definitely an interesting bat. Another guy that I'm very excited to see more of because he walked twice and went 0 for 2 yesterday, so we didn't get to see too much. But uh, Reitz has been raking. Jackson Jack- Reitz. Jackson Reitz has been raking. So I'm excited to see a little bit more Jackson Reitz. Uh, yeah. I admittedly don't even know that much on him. So I, I know he's been hitting the ball well, and I'm very interested to see more because a catching prospect who is putting up a 1,000 OPS, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, and I would like to follow and monitor a bit more. So that'll be a fun guy to watch um, and, and a, good, a good, interesting guy to continue to, to follow as well. Anybody else that, before we get to pitch clock, because that was unbelievable that we saw next year innings game that basically – was three hours at the max. I'll give you the uh, game, 2.51. It was under three hours. Yeah. We saw an extra innings game that finished two hours and 51 minutes. I mean, that's insane. But and there were still eight walks in the game. Yes. Before we get to that, anything else you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about our, our 200-pound king? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of them. Um, I will say very interesting wrinkle in yesterday's game was that we had Jackson Reitz and Jackson McGowan. Neither were spelled J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Jackson Reitz is J-A-K-S-O-N. Jackson McGowan is J-A-C-S-O-N. So if they combined, they would make a normal Jackson. A normal Jackson. Yeah. They would I was make... waiting for the J-A-X-S-O-N. Well, no, that's uh, that's Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wideout at yeah. Ohio State. He's going to get a bag. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's okay. Yeah. Generic relievers. Oh, my God. Jose Lopez is listed at 6'2", 200 pounds. That's the thickest 200-pound dude I've ever seen. I bet he's 300 pounds he's, right now. He's 300. So here's the thing about those weights. We've talked about it before. Like I think they take the measurement when they sign these 16-year-olds and then don't go back to See, it until they debut. I, I'll be honest, man, because you always correct me on the weights, and I get it because you're seeing it. Like You see the roster, and then you see the players in front of you. Uh, and I always thought, like, yes, definitely the weights are a little bit outdated by maybe a year or two. I thought you were always being a bit hyperbolic, no. I'll be honest. Jose Lopez fully solidified your case and put the nail in the coffin that they absolutely don't update it at all. No. Because Jose Lopez is a big boy. He's three bills. He's three bills. He's three bills and all the power to him because he's throwing gas and he's nasty. He was upper 90s. He was spinning a slider. Commands obviously the question, otherwise he would be a starter uh, and maybe endurance. Well, Velo tapered off. Yeah, Velo he was 96 off. to 97 in his first inning and then second inning he was 94 to 95. Yeah, but man, I mean, that, that could be a lefty out of the pen for oh the Rays God, as soon yeah. as this year if he can you know kind of get things under control. But the changeup was a swing and miss pitch. The slider was a swing and miss pitch. The fastball was a swing and miss pitch. He was gross. He was disgusting. And and he went two innings, no hits, three Ks, one walk. Uh, the, and we talked to 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 a couple of the uh, we talked to the broadcasters before. And yeah, um, you know what did, what did he say? He said 
the ERA is a little skewed right now, right? Same with uh, Urseg. Same yeah, with Urseg. Urseg for Biloxi. But Jose Lopez, ERA is skewed, but he's striking out like 17 per nine right now. Also, Lucas Urseg, who was drafted as a position player, 27 years old in AA. Like, when you see a 27-year-old in AA, you tend not to bat an eye, but he was 98 to close the game yes, for Biloxi. from like, a, like a, a, with good run. With good run. Um, there's another guy, too, that threw for Biloxi. So, again, Brewers, bullpen piece, possibly 25-year-old Zach Venaro. Big guy. 6'6", 220. I actually believe that one. He is a big physical dude that throws from a low three-quarters to sidearm slot, and he was 97 that was running. And and that was the thing Thomas Zinzarella mentioned to us, too, that, that – Venaro, they they were tinkering with his with his release and with his mechanics with his arsenal with his arsenal last year. So it was a disaster year last year. He looks like he's comfortable with his arsenal this dude. year. Another dude like we're doing bullpen watch. There are several guys that could be big league bullpen arms this year, and, and Venaro is 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 another one. Dude, it's got to be hard to hit in this league. Yes, because there's starters. We talked about this again after the game. The starters are are loaded. You you deal with a Pensacola rotation with Yuri Perez and you know Brian Hoeing who is disgusting and McCambly. McCambly who is gross when he's on and then you got to go to see Tosh Bradley and you got to see all of the ridiculous arms that the Rays have. Jaden Murray too, and right? Jaden Murray's yeah. been great, but then the bullpen arms they have. You got to go around this league and deal with all of these different guys that are just disgusting, and then they all have bullpen dudes. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And uh, I thought today was 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 or yesterday was a perfect example, and today's going to be another one, but. Pitch clock, I'm in. Uh, you're engaged. Uh, I can understand why people. Actually, no, no, no. I, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to try to appeal to the entire audience. Yeah. I have no idea why you wouldn't be open to it. I was, Good I was going to try to be nice, but I, no. look, I don't understand why you wouldn't want a pitch clock. There is really, it does not impact the the ability to play the game whatsoever. I think players have to get a little bit acclimated to, you know, stepping out of the box. Maybe you can't do your whole routine. Who cares? Because. Ultimately, no one feels rushed. At least it doesn't look like anyone seems rushed. But the fans were engaged. I found myself engaged. I felt like if I looked away, I was going to miss action. And I've never felt that way about a baseball game before. So 18 seconds or 19 seconds, whatever it is. I don't know the exact duration, but um, I should know it. I watch it every day. But um, that's enough time for pitchers. I, I think if there's one aspect of the game that might feel a teensy bit rushed it's hitters because they got to be ready to go with nine seconds on that clock um I mean I I guess but like even then you can step out of the box take a swing and then dig right back mm-hmm. in like you're good I let's let's cut the shit with the with the adjusting the batting gloves after every pitch <laughs> I mean it, it was never or like you don't like the call so you take a full lap yeah like around, come like, on dude like we, come on yeah like relax and we don't need to see that or like guy takes a huge swing and whiffs Take the whole lap around the I'm umpire, good. like yeah, or I'm good. yeah, yeah. Don't need that, and, and that slows the game down so much. I was really, really intrigued by how different. I am very cynical. I would have thought the pitch clock wouldn't do anything. No, you enforce the pitch clock, it really makes a difference, dude. It's it's almost it's borderline different sport with how quick it moves. I love it. And, you know... That's the way the sport used to be. I recommend... That's the way it used to be! Right. I recommend that you guys watch the NCAA softball tournament and the Women's College World Series because that pace of play is through the roof. It's awesome. (laughs) I love it. College baseball, I mean, those things drag, dude. They drag. But when you watch the Women's College World Series, it's like, wait, there are balls consistently being put in play. Even if there are 20 strikeout games from, you know, like bullpens as a collective now... It's still fun because it's going to get done in under three hours. Here's the thing. 
you lose all your fans by the three and a half hour mark. I yeah. promise. Unless it's a great game, unless, unless it's, it's the Red Sox, Yankees, yeah. yeah, or postseason baseball, you're losing everybody. And a lot of people, pretty much everybody, including the players, are like, oh my God, this thing is dragging. And now people are bummed when they go north at 2.45 with a game time. I love this pitch clock. It's a different sport. The, the players that I've talked to, um, they understand that it's beneficial for everyone. A lot of them like it. And we're going to run a poll. So, you know, we we're talking about like what content to do for the TikTok and stuff like that. When we get to Pensacola, I'm thinking about like we, we should just, just ask a bunch of dudes, just be like, pitch clock, yes or no? Yeah. yeah, and see what they say because I am very interested to see you know what what the overall consensus is and what the argument is against it. Against it, yeah. And I think the only thing is that this this is not what I'm used to. It speeds me up, yeah. Yeah, okay. Get used to it. Yeah. Uh, and and again, I I think it's going to be better for the growth of the game, and yeah. um, I think it's going to be better to keep fans engaged. I really did not think it would make that much of a difference. Final segment, as always on Fridays, we're talking baseball cards. Yeah. Um, and you know what's awesome. A lot of the guys that we saw either recently had cards come out or, um, you know, have had cards out for a little bit. So I'm going to pull up a few different prices, uh, a few different guys. And I'm gonna really what's funny is several guys in this game are players that I would either already have or I'm looking to invest in. The challenge here when I'm looking at cards to, to buy on eBay is usually the high floor guys I'm only going to buy if the card is dirt cheap. So Austin yeah. Shenton, you know, I was talking about that with some of our guys on the staff. I told them to, to scoop up some cards when his Bowman Chrome Auto was like $13. Yeah. When that gets to $40, $50, probably not worth yeah. it, right? Because how good is Austin Shenton going to be at the big He's league probably going to be a $40 to $50 card, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, like how good is that guy going to be at the big league level? Yeah. He'll be a solid player. That's a little bit of my concern with Sal Free. Like, I think he can be an all-star, but there's a lot of pressure on the hit tool. Joey Weimer doesn't have a card, which don't get me started on that. I don't know why Topps hasn't given Joey Weimer a baseball card because I would be all in on that because the upside there is is immense. Yeah. Curtis Mead versus Sal Freelich. Who would you purchase? Because I'm looking at Sal Freelich's 2021 Bowman Draft Auto, and it's about an eighty or about a sixty to eighty dollar card, okay. depending on on where you look. Which I, I think is is still a good deal. It could be, it, I would say it's closer to sixty, and I think that's a great deal. Curtis Mead is in the new product, which, which we've been talking about the uh, the Bowman twenty twenty two Bowman baseball and how much I love that uh, that checklist. And, and Curtis Mead still really isn't that expensive relative to a lot of the guys in the product because the product is super expensive when it first comes out. Who are you buying? Assuming they're at the same price, and then I'm going to tell you the price differential. Uh, assuming same price Mead, because in this era of baseball, what Mead does on the baseball field is more valuable than what Freelick does. Correct. And I think it's easier for Mead to be an all-star. Um, I, I think it's easier for Mead to be a higher war guy than Freelick. Um, so I, I would go with Mead if they were the same price. So, and again, prices, we, we talk about this on Cardboard Consultants, which is our YouTube uh, baseball card show, yeah. which we host with the folks at Wildcard Trading, who are actually live right now on uh, the Loop app. The, the the prices are somewhat inflated with the new product because everyone's so focused on the new names that it just got released. They want them. You know, you want to go get them. You want to yeah. go get Khalil Watson. It's your first chance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, supply and demand. It goes up. It's already going down. Mead is already at 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, I, I love Sal Freelick. But I think I agree. Mead is the no-brainer at 80, and it's probably going to go down even more. Yeah. Um, both top 100 guys. But if like people have been talking about Loop, because if you download Loop with the link in our description too, you can pull that card. 
and, and they've asked, you know, I pulled a Khalil Watson. Should I put that on eBay? I'm like, yes. Put that on eBay in two seconds yeah. because that card is already going for way too much for a guy with a 40% K rate. I like Watson, but every that's the biggest chase in the hobby. eBay, it's selling like hotcakes on there if you have a Khalil Watson. Curtis Mead, some people told me, oh, yeah, I pulled a Curtis Mead, uh, you know, either on a box I opened myself or on loop or whatever. And uh, should I sell it? Honestly, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hold it. Yeah. Hold it. And, and that's what I would do with Mead. Um, Felix Valario is another name that's a popular one in this 2022 Bowman. He's super young for the level. Yeah. Need to see more. I guess, would you say it's a hold on a Felix Valario? I have no idea. <laughs> right? Like, I, I have no freaking clue. Um, so that's another one that's tough. But out of all the guys we saw, would you say that, that Meat's probably the, the best purchase on eBay right now for for eighty bucks. Well, tell you what, if you can, if you've got this weird printing press in your basement, and you know you're you're printing cards illegally, I'd say craft a Joey Weimer, um, yes. and, and hold on to that. So if you have any way of just doctoring cards that don't exist, I'd say go get Joey Weimer. But aside from that, I, I guess Mead. I'm also like. I'm a pitching, I, like, I'm a sucker for pitching. So No I, one wants to nobody buy Nobody wants those. pitchers. So, I, I don't know, man. Like, I would I would buy Taj Bradley, but, you I know, I don't even think he that. has a card. So, yeah. I I don't know, man. I guess me. Oh, he does. He does. How much How much do you think you get? Did you see? I did. Shit. $14.99. Yeah, like, yes. I would I would actually, uh, jokes aside, I know nobody wants, nobody wants pitcher cards. Buy Taj Bradley. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It's still going to appreciate. Right. right when when he's a big league arm who is carving, I don't understand why people don't want pitcher cards. Just explain this to me again. I think, and, and please, if you're listening right now, wherever you know, if you're on YouTube, you can comment it. If you're on, you know, any podcasting platform, tweet at us and let yeah. us know what what your thoughts are on it. This is what I think: injury risk because everybody gets Tommy John, and now uh-huh. you have a card of a guy that's not going to pitch for almost two years. Yeah, every fifth day, so you can't watch this guy play every single day. Those are my two thoughts there. That's it. That's the only thing I can think of. But if you can get a Taj Bradley, he's number 59 prospects in baseball, could be a legit lights-out pitcher for you. For 15 bucks, is Bowman Cromato? I'm in. I bought Grayson Rodriguez's for 25 bucks back in the day. Those are now going for 100 and change. So, like, I'll do that. Uh, but it's it's difficult with pitchers. A Walker Bueller, by the way, goes for, like, Two hundred bucks, Bowman Carmano, still at this point. That, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm looking at Strasburg right now because <laughs> I'm thinking like guys that just can't stay on the field, and I see like it, nine and a half. Is is this right? Like twenty five bucks for a Steven Strasburg it's auto? Got, it's got four bids though. It's got six days left. It'll probably go for like a hundred and something. Okay, like yeah, like go get. And Taj Strasburg's Bradley like for, the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's the worst case scenario. Like go get a Taj Bradley for fifteen bucks. Yeah, I'm I'm in. So I would say Bradley Mead. Yeah. And I will say, we have some listeners that do like to collect pictures. We okay, do have good. some listeners that like to collect good. pictures. I'm so, with you guys. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate our, our folks that do like to collect pictures because you know, there is still a level of intrigue there. And I think there's a, uh, some easier predictability there sometimes yeah. with pictures. So you're not going to get burned right. on a Taj Bradley investment. So that's a no-brainer. And you can find those on eBay right now for 15 bucks. So go check it out. Go get them. Uh, we're going to go talk to some minor leaguers today. We're going to talk to Sal Frulich. We should be able to talk to Joey Weimer, who's getting his car fixed right now. Good. Um, so hopefully that car is all fixed. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be able to talk to him. Uh, and then a couple guys on the Rays that hopefully we'll be able to talk to. Evan McKendry and a few others uh, that I am very excited to have those interviews chopped up and on here for you. Uh, keep an eye out for those episodes. We'll probably put them out 
uh, either on the weekend or on Monday. We'll decide, uh, you know, what makes the most sense. But we will definitely have a lot of content moving forward uh, and very much excited to continue to deliver that. And then we'll do more of the same in Pensacola as well. So very pumped about that, Jack. Any final thoughts before we head back to MGM Park? Thomas Dillard. Thomas Dillard. Maybe we can get an interview with your boy, Thomas Dillard. That'll do it for this episode of The Call-Up. Hotel room edition. Yep. We'll have a few more of those as we continue through our trip of the South. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.